For most of us, when we think about Jesus, we pretty, you can go ahead and do the offering as, uh, as that goes and I'll, I'll move forward. Offering is going. Uh, checks and things should be just simply put on the memo line, Harvey Relief, when you get to that rather than a personal name. For most of us, when we think about Jesus, I think most readily we reflect and think about his birth, that he lived and taught and healed, that he forgave people. Of course, his crucifixion, uh, his resurrection, uh, following which he met with his disciples and then ascended to heaven. And he now sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. And we probably always remember or often remember most of his famous teachings, Sermon on the Mount, the, the Good Samaritan, uh, the Great Commandment, a few of the pearls of great price. But Jesus was more than a great historical figure. Having raised from the dead, Jesus is alive today. And while he is in heaven, heaven's not as far away as we imagine it. Following his resurrection in one of the times that he met with his disciples, Jesus gave them some very clear instructions about his plan for the continuation of his life and ministry through them. Here's what he said. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do everything I have taught you to do. And never forget, I am always with you to the end of the age. Jesus' plan for the continuation of his life and ministry was for his disciples to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing those disciples into relationship with the Trinitarian God, into relationship with the community of Jesus' disciples now called the church and to teach those disciples to do everything Jesus had done. To love, to teach, to heal, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to calm storms, to declare the good news about the availability of abundant life and eternal life in our life now. And if that had, all, if that had been all that he said, we, we might think, wow, that's a pretty big task. Sounds kind of daunting. But the amazing thing about Jesus' plan was that he would be with them and with us to teach us, to help us, to actively participate in the carrying out of those plans. Jesus' plan and desire for the continuation of his life and ministry through the ages has been for people to become his disciples. And for those disciples to make more disciples. So what or who is a disciple? How do you become one? Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. A disciple is, is someone who is learning from Jesus how to live their life as Jesus lived his life. And we do that in three ways. 
We do that through assimilation of Jesus' life and teaching that's presented to us in the Gospels. We do that through a daily interactive relationship and companionship with Jesus. And we do that through relationship with and learning from others of His disciples. To help us in this process of becoming and growing as disciples and learning to make disciples, we're beginning a new series this week called Following Jesus, His Life and Teaching. We'll be going to be using a harmony of the Gospels which combines passages from the four Gospels into a single storyline. And uh, we need somebody to grab the handouts for next week, which say baptism at the top, if we could get those at least available and ready. We're going to want to hand those out later. So there's a handout that I'm preparing each week that will assist you with what we're going to be looking at on Sunday morning the following week. This morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus' childhood and youth. And next week, we'll be about His baptism. And so the handouts will provide to you a way to know what is the passage, what are the uh, what are the statements that are being made about that particular topic and then there will be an opportunity for you to reflect and think about that. And I hope that you'll join me in this. Uh, I hope that you'll it, uh, take the time this week to pause in your schedule to read God's Word and join us in hearing what He has to say to us, particularly as we think about what can we learn from these texts about Jesus' life, the kind of life He lived, and the kind of life that He's inviting us to, this eternal kind of life. Jesus' childhood and youth, there isn't very much. There's a little bit there that is provided to us, but it's an amazing amount uh, of information uh, that I personally found uh, tremendously stirring this week as I spent time over numerous days with these, uh, this particular story. Let me read to you from Matthew 2.21 as well as Luke 2.41-52. After returning to Israel following their exile in Egypt, Joseph and Mary returned to their own town of Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. The boy grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. And those, as, after those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey, then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Here your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked them. Didn't you know that I must be involved in the things of my father? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, 
was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. As I myself went through this passage numerous times this week, I had numerous things on different of the days stand out to me. I, I used the text as I handed it out to you all last week, and I would highlight and identify, I was inviting the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting me to see here this week, this day? And I want to touch on uh, a few of these statements, um, very short on time. I'm not going to make as many comments as I would have liked to. Um, but then I want to highlight uh, for us one particular piece that was particularly meaningful and helpful for me and I think will be for you as well. After returning to Israel following their exile in Egypt. Now just, just for a minute, remember what had previously happened. They had fled in the middle of the night to avoid Herod and his troops coming and killing Jesus. As an infant or maybe a nine-month-old or something, it's not, it's not real clear exactly what timing that might have been, how old Jesus was. And then for numerous years, they lived as exiles. They lived as refugees in Egypt. Jesus was a refugee. Through a dream not recorded in this text, the Holy Spirit says, okay, it's time you can go home. What an amazing initial few years. Formational. Joseph and Mary returned to their own town of Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. We know as well from another passage that there was a prophetic word that says, out of Egypt I will bring my son. These statements about the fulfillment of prophecy tell us that there is a work of God that is happening in our world, that was happening in the life and times of Jesus, that has a plan that is being carried out, that is being fulfilled. Life is not just sort of chaotic as it might look. Life is just not random. God is at work in our world today. God is at work in our lives. And I think when we look at these few words, we can respond to them and say, God, thank you. God, thank you. As there was order in their lives, as chaotic as it was to leave in the middle of the night, to run and flee and become refugees, yet God was with them. So as simple and familiar as these texts are that we're going to be going through over these next few months, I would encourage you, I believe there are things there for the Holy Spirit to enlighten, to turn His lights on, that can help us. The boy grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. I could have spent the whole week on that phrase. 
in my community group uh, on Tuesday nights, we are, uh, each of us is reading these texts for the following Sunday, and then we're meeting to share what God is highlighting for us. And this past Sunday, one of, our, one of the individuals in the group referenced this particular part of the passage and said, wow, I, I, I really hadn't ever thought about that. So Jesus, okay, so Jesus, he, he didn't say all this, but I'm embellishing. So Jesus is, is born an infant. God is born in a mother's womb. He's conceived from an embryo. He's birthed in blood. Has to flee for his life. He had to grow as every other child. He had to grow up just like you did. He had to learn how to talk, how to eat, to walk like other children. He had to learn to obey and submit to his parents. Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, filled with wisdom as a child. That didn't just magically happen. I don't believe he woke up every morning with more wisdom. Children in his era, boys, were taught the Torah. They were given the scriptures to read, to reflect on. We don't know what he did in those years, but my guess is, is that he went and spent time in the local synagogue in Nazareth and learned and read and talked with his leaders, his pastors, those that were over him. And he grew in wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make a distinction. It's more than understanding. It's, it's the use of mind and body and being in ways that would conform to the will of God. And God's grace was on him. Now, we typically translate in the uh, evangelical community, we say that grace is unmerited favor. But we have taught you here that that word has a much broader meaning than that. And here is one of those times where that, trans that understanding of grace, unmerited favor, is wrong. And in fact, in this application, it's the opposite. The root of grace, the Greek word charis, is joy and pleasure. The word for gift or spiritual gift that Paul speaks of is charismata. That's the word for gift. When they were going to put a, a gift under the Christmas tree, it would be a charismata. 
It is something that brings joy to the receiver. But at its core, it is also a description of the pleasure that someone finds in another. And as a result, gives them something meaningful, something valuable. And, and here's how I might, here's what came to me as I, as I looked at that understanding. God's joy and pleasure rested on and remained in Jesus. Grace. God's joy and pleasure, God's empowering presence rested on and remained on Jesus. What can we get out of that? What can you get from that? That's exactly what God wants to do and has done for you. God's grace, His joy, His pleasure rests on you. When we read these stories about the life of Jesus, we, we need to bring into it all of the understandings we have that Jesus was in our place and provides to us the means to everything that He had. This is not just a story about Jesus. This is a story about us. God's grace rests on you. His joy, His pleasure. But as I reflected, I thought, you know, what it sure sounds like is that Jesus' joy and pleasure rested in God. That grace of God that rested on Him transformed Him, making Him a gracious person who then reached out to God with grace. Not unmerited favor, joy, pleasure, favor. Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. Mary and Joseph were following God. They were following God's plan for training up their children. They followed God in what God had taught them and what they had learned about life. There's something to get here in those words. His parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival when he was 12. They went up according to the custom of the festival. This was not the first time that Jesus was here. He had been here every single year since they returned from Egypt, whatever year that was. At age 13, a Jewish boy would become bar mitzvah. Now what I, what I read, I went out and did a little bit on that. I'm familiar with that word. And probably in the time of Jesus, they didn't have the kind of celebration that we uh, now see in our world. That kind of bar mitzvah celebration was something that was uh, began to ex be experienced only a few centuries ago. However, the language of bar mitzvah means son of the commandments. Son of the, bar of the commandments. So Jesus 
at age 13, was going to become Bar Mitzvah. But at age 12, he already is. Why? How? Because he has given his life to God's Word. He didn't only get God's Word at church, I'm pretty sure. Jesus had a pattern of life, a way of being that He's inviting us to and it incorporates and requires participation and involvement in the Word of God. Jesus became who He became through the Word of God, the empowering presence of God, God bringing to him enlightenment and understanding that led him in this moment at age 12 in the temple to amaze, to astonish the people. Not just, goodness gracious, Jesus woke up that morning, age 12, and he was just so wise and so smart. And No. Friends, there is a pattern of life that led Jesus to that moment. And we know, this, we know the part of the story about Jesus staying behind. There's, there could be things said that might alleviate some misunderstanding, but I, there isn't time. The, the parents go, they find him, and, and uh, after, read the, yeah, that one. Thank you. After three days, they found him in the temple complex, sitting, I can't even read that, that didn't, yeah, among, thank you, I got to find out my notes here, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and all those who heard him were astounded. One of the people in our group, that, that was the word on Tuesday night, that was the word that stood out to them, astounded, because it's Mary and Joseph were also astounded. Go to the next one. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, astounded. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like your father? We've been anxious searching for you. Jesus was astounding because of the grace that was on him, the good and pleasure, because of the gracious responsefulness that Jesus had lived his life. Do we have the little stories that tell us that? No, but we can see it. It's here. We get to read between the lines. And I would suggest, maybe, what's that? Not hypocrisy. What's the word when you... Heretical. This might be heretical. I believe with the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives that we get to read between the lines of Scripture. It's a thought. In John's Gospel, it says, you know, if everything had been written about Jesus, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be books in the world to contain it all. And Jesus says in uh, that last night with his, his uh, disciples and close ones, he says, you know what, I'm going to take, you don't need to have taken notes about what I've said all these years, these last three years. I'm going to send to you, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and He's going to teach you. 
Friends, when we open the Scriptures at any point, don't do it alone. Don't ever read the Bible alone. Say, Holy Spirit, let's have a Bible study together. Would you teach me what this is about? When, if you will take the time this week and look at the next passage this week, sometimes over the days, if you would first thing just say, Holy Spirit, would you show me what you want me to see today in this passage? I, I'm, I'm, I just got to do this. You know the part where it says in his baptism, this is my beloved son? Whom I'm well pleased. Got a secret. God is saying that to you too. When you read the scriptures, they are the words of God to you. This is not some ancient, archaic book with historical information. Well, you know what? Actually, it is, right? It is an ancient book. And it is filled with historical information. But it is a living, active Word of God that will change you. We spoke these last couple of months. Gosh, it's noon. I'll do. And then the next week and the next week and Okay. Would somebody go make copies of this week not baptism but the other one there's there are a few copies out there. The the Jesus got one if we could make double-sided copies uh, of this week that we're doing right now, we're going to do this week again. So if you didn't do it this week, you never, you know, read the passage, you never, you get to do it again. So that secret about baptism is going to wait for two weeks. I don't know how we're going to work it out. But if somebody could make copies of the Jesus' childhood and that, let me just, let me just wrap this up. The last couple of, of weeks, three, four weeks, we have been talking about becoming like Jesus. And we looked at various passages where Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I say. And it is not a rebuke or shame. It is a declaration. It is a blessing. If you love me, you're going to live out the kind of life that I'm teaching you. 
how can we do what Jesus says if we don't remember what he says? Okay, we remember the Good Samaritan. We remember the Great Commandment, at least mostly. That's the one about uh, not eating meat, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Just love uh, people. Anyway, friends, how can we grow to be like Jesus unless we are in God's Word? Please join us in reading God's Word. These next couple of months, if you stop doing it, oh well. Can you, could you join me this week and read this passage? And would you invite the teacher, Jesus, to teach you? Father, thank you for the richness of your word. Thank you that it is your word that has the power to teach us the truth and to set us free. But if we are not availing ourselves of your word, then it won't have its ability to teach us your truth and to transform us. And Holy Spirit, would you please help us read between the lines? Would you help us to see your love for us? Would you help me to see your love for me? And to move from uh, the Bible being an ancient book of history to your living and active word. Might we so avail ourselves of your word that it becomes a part of our mind and our remembrance. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, the psalmist declared. Open your word to us as we open your word before us. For your glory and for this lost and broken world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we get this? Did we get copies yet? They're working on it. Uh, if you don't have a copy of, of this week's, here, let me, those of you who may not have seen, this is, this is what they're going to look like every single week on the Sunday before. I'm going to make this sheet available. It's a, it's a harmony of the passages from the four Gospels that are relevant to that topic, that circumstance, that situation. Some of them, only one of the authors spoke about John is forever not saying anything about what the other one said and having his own material. So when we get to the Good Samaritan or the Samaritan woman, they're only not, the Samaritan woman is only in John's Gospel. Good Samaritan actually is in the others, and I don't think it's in John's. <laughs> anyway, this is what it looks like. Um, you, this, is a, a, uh, this one's the baptism one that I'm looking at here, but they're, they're, they tend to be a long story. I mean, it would take you three minutes to read it, 
But um, what, what you can do is just read a little bit each day. You, maybe the first day you read the whole thing. I, I don't know. If you don't want to do it this way, open up your Bible, find the, the reference and read it from there. The point is open God's Word. And these questions are, are written as just a possibility of a way to help you think about um, what's going on. But there's a first step that I've included here. It says, quiet yourself, become aware of your desire to meet with God and His desire to meet with you. This exercise is not about information. It's about relationship and formation. So please, uh, get a sheet just so that at least you know what the references are. We'll, we'll do the rest of this one next Sunday. If any of you would uh, like prayer uh, or would like to talk, chat, interact, uh, we'll be, have people up here that would be happy to do that. Thanks for coming. Have a great week.